You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Hey, welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. It is great to be with you once again. I am finally recovering from the HR Tech Conference, which is a whirlwind week. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that on the show, but we'll probably save some of the HR Tech recap for for a later show. Uh, My co-host, Trish McFarlane, uh, not able to be with us today. She's on assignment on the road, I think, but uh, we shout her out as well. And she had a, a great HR Tech Conference too. And Ah, just real happy for folks who were there. Uh, thanks for coming and thanks for all the help and support. That's all I wanted to say. And Trish and I did do a show from the event, which is out out there on the HR Happy Hour feed with some of our show favorites. We had Don Weinstein from ADP, Gretchen Alarcon from Oracle, and Cecile Alper-Larue from Ultimate. All three superstar guests on one show live from the happy hour. So that was super fun. So uh, please check that out. And uh, we're booking out shows for the rest of the year. So if you have a uh, topic, an idea, a guest, Hit me up. Uh, you can tweet us at HR Happy Hour. Send me an email, Steve at h3hr.com. And oh, the Alexa show is still running. I've got to get back on board with the Alexa show. I should record one today, maybe. But check it out if you're an Amazon Alexa person. Add the HR Happy Hour skill to your Alexa app. And finally, Trish and I will be doing a show soon from the Saba Insights event in Phoenix. Thanks to them for helping uh, helping us out and uh, coming out to the show. Finally, thanks to our show sponsor, Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com, for all the support and help. I, I do, Matresh, if you're listening to this, I do miss when you're not on the show. I've got to run through all these announcements in like in one deep breath. That's hard. And I'm up at altitude right now, too. So it's, uh, I'm getting short of breath. So let's, uh, let's get right to it. We have a returning guest to the show, one of my favorite guests we've had on the HR Happy Hour show over the years. We have Catherine Minshew today. She's the CEO and founder of The Muse. TheMuse.com, a career platform used by over 50 million millennials to navigate, and more, not just millennials, and we're going to learn about that too, but 50 million Absolutely. folks to navigate their career. That's right. That's right. Not just the millennials. You're a full service uh, website, I think, and uh, <laughs> used by hundreds of, now I've ruined, I've ruined it, Catherine. I've ruined your bio by going off script. I, I want to I I get through <laughs> some of the rest of it. I'm going to try. The site has been used by hundreds of companies to attract, hire, and retain great talent. She's also the author of The New Rules of Work, a Wall Street Journal national bestseller. Catherine has spoken at MIT and Harvard, contributed to The Wall Street Journal and HBR, and appeared on Today and CNN. She's also been named to Smart CEOs, Future 50 Visionary CEOs, and Inc.'s 3035. Catherine also worked on HPV vaccine introduction in Rwanda with the Clinton Health Access Initiative before founding The Muse and was previously at McKinsey & Company Welcome back, Catherine, to the HR Happy Hour show. And I will say it was great to see you, even if only briefly, last week at HR Tech. Yeah, it was great to see you, too. HR Tech is one of my favorite times of the year, so it was a lot of fun to be there and to catch up with people, and and great to see you, too. And I'm so excited to be back on the show. 
It's great to have you. And I'm not, Catherine, I'm not kidding. I am out of breath. I'm, I, I don't want to, I'm at altitude. I'm traveling again. I'm in Park City, Utah, which is lovely. But this altitude is absolutely killing me. I'm going to have to tone it down a little bit. I'm going to have to like dial back my enthusiasm you just a tiny bit or I'm going to, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> the struggle is real. I am, um, I spoke at yeah, first world Davos problems. at the, at the, one of the, the sort of events around the World Economic Forum about two years ago. And I actually, the first day I got there, I got altitude sickness and just lay on my bed. And I, you know, my whole team, I think, thought I was having this glamorous time with, with you know, global business leaders. And instead, I'm on some, you know, rented room with altitude sickness. So take care of yourself. That is no oh joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it isn't. And, you know, you think, oh, I'm a tough guy. I, you know, I, I jog twice a week, albeit very slowly. But, like, you know, you can handle it. I'm taking 19 steps out of the room to get over to the conference center and I need, I feel like I need a break. So uh, I'm going to have to be careful the next couple of days. So hopefully Catherine, uh, we can, you're at sea level maybe, and, and maybe you can, you can carry us both uh, on the show. So, Hey, Catherine, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Maybe you can uh, tell us uh, what you've been up to and what's been happening at the muse. Lots of interesting things. I'm certain, uh, you know, in the last, it's probably been a couple of years since you've been on the show. So what, what are some of the things uh, that you guys have been doing? Yeah. So I, I was just checking. I think it's been about two years. Um, lots wow. of things have happened uh, on my end. And of course, lots of things are happening in our industry, right? I think, um, you know, when we first spoke uh, two years ago, um, employer branding and talent branding was still a nascent field. Um, most uh, employers and recruiters will st were still measuring success based on, you know, how fast and how cheap did I get a butt in the seat. There was just a very, very early understanding and focus on candidate experience. And so I think, um, you know, as the space that we're all in has changed, uh, certainly we've been, uh, you know, working as hard as we can to kind of stay out in front of some of these big trends. So I guess a couple big things um, on our radar at the Muse. You know, one is uh, the increasing importance of candidate experience. So we can talk about sure. this a little bit more, um, you know, in, in the rest of this interview. But um, I'm, you know, particularly fascinated by, I think there was some research that came out last year um, from Talent Board that, you know, something like 61% uh, of candidates will share a negative recruiting experience with their friend. And uh, I think it was 40-something percent of people, if they have a bad candidate experience, will sever their business relationship with that employer. So if you're a consumer brand, they will not buy from you. If you're a B2B brand, they will tell their company you know, to, to, re to consider other vendors or other alternatives. And I think it's really interesting when you look at how the market is reacting. Um, you know, a, a lot of the talent professionals that we work with are investing time and money in trying to upgrade the candidate experience. And so with, uh, within the Muse, you know, we've always had a uh, sort of product, themuse.com, that millions of people use to research companies and careers, but we've been really going deeper on helping businesses tell a more authentic story, helping them do that not just before someone applies, but at various points throughout the interview process, um, and trying to get a lot more creative in how we really help companies ensure that they're getting the right fit talent and how we how we help talent assess companies. So that's kind of been one big theme. Right. Um, second thing that's been fairly new is, uh, is, as you mentioned in the intro, you know, we have been known for a long time as the next gen career site or the millennial career site. And that the, part of our the, population... Yeah, the cool career site, right? Because your site was cool <laughs> and it was full of great videos. Yeah, yeah. I, I and, like that and, one, Steve. Yeah. I like I like that one. Can I quote yeah. you on that? <laughs> yeah, you, but, um, you yeah, can. Think, you know, it, 
<laughs> it doesn't look like other career sites, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really been interesting. I mean, we are so differentiated in in terms of the space that we offer. And so what's been fascinating is, you know, we have only grown uh, more entrenched among the millennial demographic, but we've also started to see Gen Z showing up on the site. And we've actually expanded our reach among Gen Xers and boomers as well, because, you know, the, the desire to uh, learn more about a company before you apply the desire to understand uh, the values and the employee experience that different places offer. And, and I think a lot of the things that the Muse offers, they're not limited to one age range. They're actually fairly applicable across, uh, across a wider array. So we've been really leaning into that um, while we continue, obviously, to grow the, the millennial and, and Gen Z parts of our audience as well. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things, uh, Catherine, I think about when I think about your story and what's been happening um, you know, in the, in the talent market, right. Especially with younger workers. Right. And maybe you kind of were fortunate that you hit on some of these themes at, at either just the right time or just about the right time at the same time that uh, more of these folks were coming into the job market. Um, the economy started to improve, right. Finally, right. In 2011, 2012, I'm not, I don't remember exactly Catherine, what year was, what was the first year of the muse.com? I, I don't recall off the top of my head. The very end of 2011. So you're catching, you're catching it not quite. Yeah. You're catching it off the bottom then, right. Of the, of the economy and the talent market has been just doing nothing but heating up then, right. In the seven or eight years you've been, you've been doing this are, I mean, from your perspective, as the market's gotten tighter and candidates have, you know, more options potentially and are more discerning about where they might want to invest their time in their, their own, you know, career journeys. Um, have you noticed changes in how you guys approach uh, working with employers in, in, as the market's gotten tighter? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I love that word discerning because I think it's really appropriate. Candidates are starting to ask questions that they were not asking, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I think some of that is certainly related to a tighter labor market and more competition. But some of it is also um, a pattern that we've seen in numerous industries uh, that have been disrupted by the Internet, which is, you know, think about buying a product 10 years ago. Did you look at online reviews? Did you price comparison across different sites? No, you didn't have access to any of that. You went to your local store and, you know, you, you picked out an option. And I think what's interesting is while we'll certainly see changes um, if and when we enter a more depressed economy at, at some point in the future, as you know, tends to happen in these labor cycles, I don't think you're going to see that cat go completely back in the bag because yeah, um, candidates have become consumers. And so they expect to see certain levels of information. And I think it's been really interesting for employers. You know, I think we've gone through, um, we're sort of in a, in a third wave of, uh, of candidate information and talent branding. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, you know, phase one was that no candidates knew anything about your role or your company unless you were a really big brand. And so this is the era of careers pages that were simply lists of jobs. You know, it was, it was just, these are the jobs that we have. And this was when people could, you know, stick up a help wanted sign and uh, expect that, that great candidates were just going to, you know, line up and uh, submit an application. Then, as we started to see the market heat up, we entered phase two, where companies started to realize that they had to compete for talent, and they had to stand out. But, um, you know, not unsurprisingly, a lot of them started to do so in ways that felt very similar. So this is when you had career sites that started to say, we are an innovative and unique place to work, building teams <laughs> right. of excellence. 
It's like, okay, great. That sounds like everyone else. Um, and I think now we're in phase three where um, companies are starting to get much more granular and specific about their employee experience, their values, their work styles. They're starting to put the voices of their employees front and center because no amount of jargon from your talent team is going to replace the impact of a really excellent human quote or story or video from one of your engineers or one of your marketers um, or even you know sometimes one of your interns or junior employees. So companies are realizing that you know, you've got to be specific, you've got to be accurate because there are penalties these days on the internet for companies that try to put forth um, a, you know, a sort of inauthentic impression and it's, it's all about putting your people front and center. And so I think that that's been changing how we work with companies uh, pretty substantially. You know, we, we actually have a tool now that's um, it's one of the things I'm most excited about that we do that lets us go directly um, into a company's employee base and source for the talent team and in partnership with them um, that the technology sources all of this incredible content and data about how your employees experience uh, your, you know, your, your work environment. And it gives talent professionals, one, it gives them a base of content they can use uh, on their careers page, on their social channels, on their news page. Two, it can really galvanize and activate employees to remember you know, why they love what they do, why they're proud of it, to be able to tell their professional stories more concisely and clearly in a way that benefits the employer. Three, it often gives the talent leadership a, um, you know, a data uh, foundation for saying this should be our talent brand, this should be our EVP, because this is what our employees are saying loud and clear. And we're thinking about you know, interesting ways at the Muse to take all of the output of that tool. We, we call it Brand Builder, and it's um, just been uh, it's something that we rolled out about a year ago. So it's a very new part oh, of the Muse great. platform. But we've been thinking about you know, how do we take all that data and help companies turn that into a really differentiated and unique experience for candidates that are researching them, um, both people that may not be familiar with their brand and people that do know about them and are looking to go deeper. Um, we also are, are very interested in, you know, how do you split out results by team? Because companies are not monoliths. And, you know, your technology team versus your retail team versus your operations team may have very different ethos, styles, uh, ways people talk about why they, you know, why they work there. And that's okay. That actually can be an asset and a strength when you really celebrate it. Yeah. And, and different motivations and different aspirations. And, and in fact, we mentioned HR Tech a couple of times. One of the things I got to do at HR Tech, which was really fun, was um, at a CHRO panel uh, near the end of the conference. And the CHRO from Walt Disney Company was part of the panel. Uh, her name is Jane Parker. She made that specific point, Catherine, right? When we were talking about culture in the organization and trying to make sure that the organization uh, was creating great employee experiences. And she kind of really starkly pointed out, like, I have people on one side of the, the organization that are responsible for creating the next blockbuster Hollywood movie. And on the other side of the equation, I've got thousands of people who are serving guests at Walt Disney World and our, our other theme parks. And these are completely different kind of world. And even though they're in the same organization and I see that must happen with a lot of companies you work with as well, because, you know, browsing around the site, there's some very big and some very old companies, right, that you guys are working with, companies like Allstate and HP and Capital One, to name a few that I saw, and they must be dealing with as well. Absolutely. I think that there's a few big trends um, that, that companies are sort of waking up to. And, you know, as you said, one is that candidates are looking for more specific information about the part of your business that they're thinking of joining. It's not just 
your corporate brand statements, um, but it's really the different locations, the functions, the divisions, and this is why I think highlighting employee stories can be so powerful. Um, there's also a trust level inherent in employee stories that isn't necessarily the case for quotes or materials that come you know, from your brand. Um, I think it was Edelman that did a trust barometer measuring the different levels of trust that U.S. consumers had in a variety of sources. And um, while I don't remember all the specific numbers, you know, the, the trust in uh, sort of corporate statements was somewhat low, uh, perhaps understandably. The trust in right. CEOs was a little bit higher, but not markedly so. The one thing that stuck out as much more highly trusted was employees. And that's why I think um, allowing and, and celebrating your employees as the face of your brand, especially the face of your hiring, is so powerful. And, you know, candidates are doing their research. Um, we did a survey of our community in 2017, which indicated that one-third of Muse users will research a company first before they even research a role. And about 60% would refer a friend to their current company if they felt like, you know, what their, their friend was telling them, them they were interested in sort of aligned with um, what they knew. And so it's also about, you know, equipping your employees, not just having them tell their stories, but equipping them with the information to potentially tell other stories than their own to their peers and their network. Um, so you can really, you know, take advantage of referrals in a way that might be a little bit more um, organized right. and thoughtful than just, uh, you know, asking people to, to send you their friends, which, 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 by the way, is a great channel. But if you can actually provide employees with sample tweets with, uh, you know, quotes from their peers or employee stories, that can often be, uh, you know, can, can amplify employee sharing in a really powerful way, too. Yeah, Catherine, let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bowes. It is great to be with you today. Uh, Trish McFarland not, not with us today on assignment. We say hi to her. I'm joined by Catherine Minshew, CEO of The Muse. And we're talking all about candidate attraction and how employers can tell their stories more authentically, how they can compete a little bit more effectively uh, for talent these days in, in across the spectrum, right? And uh, Catherine, you, you've worked with I mean, just literally hundreds of country, countries over the years, maybe hundreds of countries as well, but um, hundreds of companies over the years. If there's any, like for folks who are listening to the show and are thinking, boy, you know, we're struggling right now to connect with the right talent or we're struggling to convince our uh, talent that uh, we really do have some great opportunities here or and they should at least consider us, right? Instead of going down the going down the road to our competitors or the ones that have maybe fancier names or more well-known names. Is there are there a couple of strategies or approaches that you've seen in the last, in the last say couple of years that 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 have been particularly effective in, in for certain companies in certain industries? Any anything that comes to mind? Sure. Um well, I think one of the biggest parallels that often resonates with talent professionals who may be newer um, or, or rather who may be less familiar with um, the sort of how to win attention in this highly competitive landscape we find ourselves in is to look at parallels with marketing. And what I mean by that is, you know, most marketers don't assume that if they put a single advertisement out there or a single email in your inbox that you're immediately going to be engaged and click through and buy their product. They think about setting up drip campaigns, which are a series of messages uh, spaced out over a period of time. Or they think about um, slowly gaining your attention and trust through a variety of different channels and forms of outreach. And I think talent is becoming very similar. So, you know, I think that for companies that are just at the beginning, 
there are, you know, let's call it three basic steps that we really recommend at the Muse. Um, the first is to source stories and uh, information from your current employee base about what you should be telling candidates and what are right. the things that you can lean into. And I think, you know, this can also be a process internally that helps you identify perhaps some areas where candidates might be um, choosing other options because of things that are fixable within your org, which is just great information to have even if you can't change everything overnight. But usually there will be a few themes that rise to the top from your current employee base. And you can do that with, you know, a tool like we have, like Brand Builder, or you can do that through, you know, sitting down with people um, or, or sort of other simple survey-like outreach. Um, secondly, right. I would think about, you know, the, the sort of three to four key places where job seekers are interacting with your team and how you can insert a little bit more um, sort of authentic information and uh, sort of culture and values into those. So I'll give you kind of a couple quick examples. One sure. is if you have recruiters reaching out to people on LinkedIn, don't just have them reach out, or, you know, or, or frankly via email, any channel. Don't just have them reach out and say, hey, we're hiring for a salesperson and I think you'd be great. Have them include a link to a profile or a page somewhere. Have them include third-party content or a video of one of your employees something that lets them do a little bit more research or learn a little bit more about you before they have to commit to responding and getting on the phone with your recruiter. We've seen that raise response rates pretty dramatically, and it also makes candidates um, sort of start to feel that engagement with your brand, you know, right up front. Then yeah, and a little bit, I'll just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, Catherine, but I, I just had to jump in. Like, that, that message that, hey, we're hiring a salesperson and we think you'd be great... That's, that's the same as 97% of those kind of messages that that person will get in their lifetime. Yeah. Right? And it's completely uh, unremarkable and forgettable and, you know, and, and it's kind of a low bar to jump over, right. To, to get noticed in, in those kinds of things. And I, I'm still surprised by how many, even I get them sometimes, right. You know, we're hiring for X, Y, Z. We'd love to talk to you about it. Like, well, why? That's so, that, why would you want to talk to me about it? Why should I want to talk to you about it? Maybe is a different question. But uh, yeah, that's a great point, Catherine. Yeah, exactly. I think it's always helpful to put yourself in the shoes of the candidate and assume, and assume that if you are interested in reaching out and talking to them, then 10 other companies are as well. So what makes yeah. you different? And being able to include just a little bit of information, content, we do find that third-party sites um, are slightly more effective than you know, a company's own career site because there's added trust and legitimacy when it appears on a different URL. But just any sort of additional information, content, employee quotes or videos, something to give the person a sense of what you're about and why your role is different from, you know, all the other sales roles out there. So that's sort of phase one. Um, and then I would take a similar tactic when you think about your job descriptions. So many companies uh, just sort of set and forget it with their job descriptions, but it's actually a great opportunity to embed, again, um, a little bit of additional information about why a candidate might choose your company, what might make this role different or special. Um, don't underestimate the power of a well-written or thoughtfully crafted job description, especially when you think about how many candidates may look at it. And then sort of third, um, I think that you know some companies stop recruiting, the minute someone comes in for that first interview, they switch into vetting. Um, and of course, vetting is critically important. But I think it's helpful to remember that, again, if you're interviewing a candidate, they're probably being interviewed by other places, and they may have other people going after them. And so what we recommend to a lot of our customers is that every single phase in the interview process, 
um, you can set up either automated or recruiter-driven outreach to say, hey, you know, really excited for your phone screen tomorrow. Before we hop on the phone, here's our Muse profile. You know, watch a video or two and feel free to ask me any questions you have about what it's like to work here. I'm really excited to talk more. You know, hey, you're coming in tomorrow for your second round. Here's a little bit more about our values here. Or here's, you know, somebody that um, is on the team you're thinking of joining talking in a video about a project they just worked on. Like anything that you as an employer can do to sort of, again, go back to that marketing concept of a drip campaign, giving them a little bit more information. And again, it can be very high budget, but you can also sometimes simply source quotes, um, you know, get employees to take a couple of photos. Ultimately, it doesn't necessarily have to be incredibly high production value, but candidates are looking for that information about um, about your work environment, your values, your culture, and I think it can be very, very powerful um, to sort of stand out when a company provides it. Yeah, no, Catherine, those are great ideas and great recommendations. And and the one thing I'd love to just get your thoughts on, and I think hopefully uh, you've, you, I think you've thought about this at the Muse too, because you've got a lot of, you've got a wide range of companies that you've worked with over time. It's not just been, you know, a collection of Silicon Valley or New York City tech startups, right? You've got, you've got some companies, you know, not, not picking on them, but you'd say you're not, you're, your name's not so glamorous, right? Necessarily like they don't maybe come top of mind, right? And well, maybe in those lists, right? We see those lists of uh, most desired companies to work for that are, are published by various uh, sites. And, you know, I don't even have to read the article anymore to know it's uh, Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Salesforce, right? They're the top five, right? Year after year after year. So what if I'm not those companies? Like what if I'm, you know, a logistics distributor or a credit union or some other, at least on the surface, less than glamorous, less than top of mind kind of brand. Is, is What are some of the kinds of things you tell folks in talent acquisition pros and HR pros at those kinds of companies to, to help them maybe st- try to stand out if they, they perceive themselves as, uh, I don't know, less sexy than some of the competition? Absolutely. So I, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, when people talk about the Muse, they do often mention and gravitate to our blue chip, big, you know, big name clients uh, like a, a Nike or a Taco Bell or Goldman Sachs or Facebook. Mm-hmm. But there are hundreds of companies. And in fact, it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned credit unions. That is actually a huge source of partnership for us. We work with, um, I mean, I, I shouldn't I estimate off the top of my head, but I want to say it's something like, you know, 15 to 20 different um, sort of credit union or sort of smaller uh, financial organizations, insurance companies. And I think that, um, you know, in terms of standing out when you're a business that doesn't have a, you know, globally known logo, there are actually a lot of things you can do. And, and luckily, um, you know, candidates aren't all looking for the same thing. In fact, philosophically, and we talk about this a lot inside the Muse, I don't know that I believe in best place to work lists. Because that assumes that everyone's idea of a best place to work is the same. And candidly, it's not. It's like the best people to marry. You know, who are the best people (laughs) to marry? Well, it really depends on what you want in a partner and who you are, you know, and and, and your own sort of needs. And so we have a concept within the Muse that uh, we're actually bringing to market in a a really unique productized way in the next couple of months. Um, But but as, as a teaser, we're calling it alignment. And the idea is that Each individual has a series of preferences, values, and work styles 
based on where they are in their life and their own individual personality. And what a company needs to do is understand what sort of environment it has and what sort of things it can offer, and then highlight those. And it's not about being, quote unquote, the best place to work. It's about being the best for people who are looking for a certain thing or the best in certain dimensions and really leaning into that. And so, for example, um, we have a, you know, a, a smaller client that um, initially was struggling to sort of uh, stand out in a very crowded industry, but they discovered that one of the things that their employees valued was they had an incredible training program. And that is something that they now lead with on a huge portion of their hiring. Um, interestingly, it attracts people at a variety of experience levels because many people who are earlier in their career really gravitate towards the ability to be trained, and many people who are in more advanced levels in their career really love being part of an organization that allows them to teach and to coach and develop and really celebrates them for it. And I think that you know once you start to understand what those areas of differentiation are, um, you know, you can really start to carve out uh, some messaging and some, again, employee stories. I'm obviously very big on employee stories, but something that is that is going to separate you out. Um, you know, I think it, at other companies, they find that there's a particular style of working, you know, whether it's incredibly fast-paced uh, and, and, you know, people that kind of enjoy the energy of the always-on, go, go, go environment. Another, you know, another organization might take pride in the fact that Many of their employees have been there for 15 years, and they provide, you know, a deeply stable, um, kind of trusted environment. Um, all companies are not the same, and they shouldn't be, but it's about right. understanding what do you offer, and then um, based on that, how can you really lean into that, again, in your candidate outreach, in your job descriptions, on your careers page, in your employee stories, um, and, and, you know, I also think sometimes that clarity can actually help companies understand where they want to invest because, you know, we all love to internally invest in our workplaces, our employees across 50 different dimensions, but often you pick, you know, five to ten things and you really lean into that. And sometimes by understanding where you are currently, you can sort of align your recruiting needs with your talent brand and really, again, like what you have to offer candidates um, with your internal investment and uh, and company management, and I think that can be really powerful, even if you're not a big company or even if you're not a very well-known brand. Yeah, Catherine, that is a, a fantastic idea, a super concept, and I'm really glad a little bit of it. Uh, what's coming down the pike is I was going to kind of, you know, wrap it up with, hey, so what's coming next, kind of thing. And so you shared at least some of that. And that, but the reason I particularly like that approach and, and the, this idea, what you're doing around trying to to better find alignment between people and companies is, uh, I, you know, if even back last week at HR Tech, there was, I felt like there might have been 100 companies there who kind of the reason for existence is to um, connect uh, or match or screen people with jobs, a given job, a single job, a role, right, and a person, one-to-one -one kind of thing. But people don't just have jobs or, or exist in a job. They exist in an organization and in a company with colleagues and teammates and in an environment and in an office. And, you know, those things are just as, if not more important to ultimately determining their success, their happiness, their engagement, right? It's not just, you know, do you have the 17 right skills for the given role? All these other factors come into play. So I love the idea that you guys are going to take an approach to uh, helping uh, companies and people understand that better and make better connections. That sounds really cool. Absolutely. And I, and I think to your point, you know, it was, it, I had the same experience walking the, the expo floor at HR Tech 
there are there are so many people working on a skills match and don't get me wrong it's very important you know if you don't have the skills for a job or if your your hire doesn't have the right skills you know it's it's, it's certainly um, a critical part of the process but I do think that there are really strong preferences that also you know they, they lean into how we get work done I mean you know I I, um, I love to tell the example of um, you know, of, of that New York Times article about Amazon and its famously intense culture, um, a lot right. of people read that article were turned off, but applications actually went up because some people said, oh, that actually, that sounds good to me. You know, or you have a, um, a hedge fund uh, like uh, Bridgewater that is notorious for being incredibly, um, you know, in, incredibly um, direct to the point of, you know, nearly all meetings are recorded and available to anyone in the company. That certainly would not be attractive for many employees, but it's you get incredibly yeah, and you get feedback, you get feedback and, on and your great. performance in the meeting, right? Instantly, you weren't very smart in that meeting. Exactly. Still, right? that was not very good. You know, to say. Exactly. Like, right, right there. <laughs> totally. And I think it's funny. You know, we we all are very comfortable in interpersonal relationships, and you know, and again, I go back to to dating because it's just it's just such a perfect parallel. We're all very comfortable with the idea that you know, different strokes for different folks. It's really about who are you? What are your values? What are you looking for? And finding that right match or that right alignment. And I think it is, uh, it's, you know, it's so interesting to me that instead we've all somehow woken up in a culture that thinks a company can be, you know, uh, can be summed up by a star rating when in reality uh, each division or function within that company likely has its own culture. And some of those cultures, again, are going to be very good fits for certain types of people and perhaps poor fits for another. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, it may mean that there's something wrong. It also just may mean that they need to get more specific and differentiated about communicating ahead of time who they are and what they're about and what the environment is like. So they're attracting people who are bought into that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think, I think something to really be concentrating on, I think going forward, right. is cause you know, knock on wood, I think, I think it's going to continue to be a really, really um, strong labor market here in the U S and for sure companies are, are they're only competing and winning on talent and, and you know more tools more strategies more authentic approaches to uh, that are available to companies to better compete and better uh, you know get their story out there will ultimately I think make for not just better companies but better better jobs for people and and, and better outcomes which is uh, the other part of this that I think is really awesome so I Catherine, this has been huge fun for me. It's been great to chat. We talked for two minutes last week at HR Tech, so we have to fly across the country, both of us, to, to, to spend a half hour together. But I'm really glad we did. So, of course, the, the website is themuse.com. Uh, any, anything else you want to mention for folks who are interested in learning more, connecting with the, the Muse or connecting with you? Absolutely. I mean, I'm fairly active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at K-M-I-N. And the Muse's handle is at the Muse. Uh, pretty, pretty simple there. And we love hearing people. I love spending time with uh, people working at the intersection of, you know, talent, HR, people, strategy. I think it is such an interesting space. Um, so much is changing, and we're really excited to be, you know, carrying the banner on a, a couple of issues near and dear to our hearts. So we'd love to hear from anybody, and, and of course, always happy for people to reach out to uh, to the Muse as well. Great. Catherine, thanks so much. And definitely, I would say to subscribe to their, their content. Their newsletter is great. They're always pushing out excellent content on themuse.com. They do a great job with that. So, uh, and again, thanks, Catherine. So much fun to get to chat. Yeah, and Steve, I'll add, we've got a, a, a section for HR and talent professionals. I think it's 
I think you can sign up via the muse.com slash employers. Um, and granted, I, I will lie, there's definitely some of our, our team's sort of B2B marketing stuff, but we also are trying to build out um, a bit more of a content and community around, you know, helping share some of the data, the lessons from the, um, the recruiting side of the Muse, what we're seeing from the, the job seekers in the community, and, uh, and best of learnings in the space. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to be focusing a lot more on that towards the end of this year and early next. Awesome. Catherine, thanks so much. Find all of it at www.themuse.com. So, hey, this has been super fun uh, for me, for Trish McFarlane, for our guest, Catherine Minshew from The Muse. Thanks again to our sponsor, Virgin Pulse, www.virginpulse.com. Thanks so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Catherine, we're over a million and one downloads now. It's blowing up. This, this show will put us over maybe two million, I think, if we get, if we get the word out there. Amazing. Uh, I love it. Well, so thank subscribe, you so much for having me. So much <laughs> thank, thanks so much, Catherine. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the HR Happy Hour Show. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.